Welcome to another episode of the Relax Just Love podcast. I have the pleasure to be talking with Trey Morrow. He is an animal rights activist and a mentor. What's going on, brother? Hey, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure is all mine. So I'm curious. I'm a big, big fan of mentorship. I think this is one of the things, especially for men nowadays, that's lacking. We lack mentors. We lack guidance. We lack kind of a, a path to follow. Explain to me what you do exactly. What does it mean to you to be a mentor? Yeah, so I'm a part of this program called Animal Activism Mentorship. And basically what we do is provide that mentorship for uh, people who want to get into animal rights. They want to use their voice for the animals some way or another, but maybe they don't know how, or maybe they've hit a wall in their activism. Um, and we just help them out. You know, I know when I first started as an animal rights activist, I had so much anger about what I had learned. I had so much uh, frustration because of everything that I'd learned about um, animal agriculture and the fur industry and the circus industry and, and all these other things. And I didn't quite know what to do with it. I knew I wanted to do something. And I know I could have gotten a lot more work done if I just had had a little guidance. I felt like I was kind of figuring it all out by myself somewhat. So, um, yeah, it is important to, to have a mentor. And uh, I've got some people who I consider, you know, unofficial mentors, I guess you could say now. But I wish I had found that a little sooner. So um, basically, we just came up with the idea to provide that for people who want it to try to accelerate people's activism um, that they want to do and um, help get them started, especially if they don't know how to start. So how would you, how would you suggest that then? How would you uh, suggest somebody starts if, because um, I imagine that you work with brand new vegans or people that are interested and people that's been vegan for a long time, but what's, what are the, um, What are the steps, if you may, like, what do you, what do you teach those people? Yeah, so it, it really all depends on what that person's goals are. So um, at Animal Activism Mentorship, we have a sign up form on our website and people kind of fill out the details of, of uh, what their goals are and what their experience so far is and things like that. And uh, we assess that information put them with a mentor who we think would, who, who we think fits with them the best that would be able to help them the best. And then it kind of goes from there. I think how you start really just kind of depends like, are, are, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? What are your goals? Um, for me recently, I've really been into um, pressure campaigns Um, so, you know, if somebody comes to me and they're like, I really don't know what I want to do, then, you know, I might advise looking into pressure campaigns or looking into a few different kinds of activism, uh, that, you know, they might be interested in. It's good to try it, uh, try different things and see, uh, see where your strengths lie. So, yeah, I would just say it's, it's different for everyone. What's, uh, excuse my ignorance, but what is a, what do you consider a pressure campaign? 
So a pressure campaign to me, what I mean when I say that is a focused campaign on a target that is designed to get tangible results. So for example, uh, if there's a pressure campaign against uh, a certain store that sells fur, um, there might be different ways to try to get them to stop selling fur. That might be through um, having events where everybody calls their store at the same time. That might be that's a tactic in a pressure campaign. It might also be having a week of action where everybody, um, you know, around the country or around the world or whatever, uh, protests that store hard for a week. Um, you know, there's different tactics that, that can happen and there's all different kinds of pressure campaigns that it depends on your goal. Um, so a goal could be to get a store to go for free. It could be to get a company to shut down, completely it could be to prevent a slaughterhouse that's uh, that's scheduled to be built from being built um it could be a lot of different you know goals that you can have with a pressure campaign but i think really the idea is tangible uh results that you can calculate for the animals um so much of my activism uh in the beginning was you know, outreach and bearing witness. And I think these things are important. Um, But for me, I was getting a little bit burnt out just talking to one person at a time, you know, trying to achieve animal liberation that way. I was getting frustrated because, um, you know, people everywhere, they just, they just don't get it. And I have hope that they will one day, but um, for me personally, my energy I felt like it was better spent in a different way than just trying to convince one person at a time to go vegan. Um, and now I spend that energy on on pressure campaigns and also mentoring others on, you know, how they can best use their talents and their strengths and their passions to fight for animals in their own way, however that might be. Do you think, and that's a, uh questions I, I a question i've pondered uh for a while do you think that those type of campaigns actually change the mind of the people let's say that you're doing a pressure campaign on a store that sells fur let's take that for example um do you think that the actions that you guys are are doing like let's say i've seen those campaigns and people can show up with screens they're standing outside the the store with screens and they're talking to people that are trying to get into it. Do you find that you get a positive reaction out of those people? It depends on the campaign and what you're going for. Um, But a lot of the campaigns that I've been involved in, um, the goal is not necessarily to try to win over public opinion or to um, pander to people. It's really just about disrupting business and being a problem for animal abusers. That's, that's really what it's about companies that, uh, profit off of the abuse of animals. So whether that be, uh, disrupting like a, a, um, secondary or tertiary target or, you know, disrupting that actual business, you know, having an ask or a demand, Um, that's really what it's been about, not necessarily winning over the public. Now, winning over the public can be a tactic in certain campaigns. Um, but with fur, for example, I think most people are against fur 
anyway, even a lot of people who are not even vegan uh, don't like the fact that people are still wearing fur in this day and age. So I would say, you know, with anti-fur campaigns, a lot of times that's not even really the goal. It's just to um, make these companies lose money um, <laughs> or be such a nuisance that, you know, they drop fur. So basically you're not going after the end user or the end buyer. You're really going, you're really going for the producer of the product. So basically the idea is to try to be a nuisance, like you said, or try to prevent those products of being available to the public is basically in, in this example that we're talking about, like, let's say for that's the idea. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So um, the more places you can get to stop selling fur, um, the less uh, lucrative that business is going to be, the less um, people are going to want to go into that business. People are going to be afraid to go into that business because they know that animal rights activists are working hard night and day to shut those businesses down and, uh, and condemn fur and everything else. So yeah, the goal is really, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's been going well in 2021, you know, a lot of companies dropped fur um, more than I can even remember offhand, but some significant ones would be Neiman Marcus, Canada Goose, yeah. um, St. Laurent, um, and Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, all, all of those companies have, gone for free and that's because of grassroots animal rights activism now you know um and again i'm not knocking any other kind of uh of kinds of activism like outreach but just for example i was heavy on the outreach side before and uh, and i still do some of that from time to time but um for me i was uh sorry my dog's like freaking no out worries. In the background. <laughs> no worries at all that's why we do it right yeah, exactly. But um, but yeah, anyway, it, it's it's nice just for my own mental health to be able to say like, hey, I worked on these campaigns that actually, you know, helped in the fur industry. And we can calculate these results um, with with outreach, for example. You know, you never know who you might affect in a positive way. And and, you know, it feels really good when someone sends me a message and says, Hey, you know, you told me about veganism like a year ago and I wasn't really having it, but I've reflected some and, you know, you've been an inspiration and, you know, now I'm going vegan. I mean, those kinds of messages feel great. Um, and, you know, it's awesome. It does make a difference for the animals, but, you know, the amount of those messages I get are, are few and far between. And I'm sure there's some people that I've helped affect in a positive way um, that I, you know, don't know about and and that's fine too you kind of have to live with that when you um are doing outreach you don't ever know really the results and some people might say they're going to go vegan on the spot and then they go home and they don't um so you never really know and i'm not saying that that doesn't mean that that kind of activism is not worth doing it just helps me personally to um to be able to see those results and what i'm doing uh, that helps me out a lot to know that what i'm doing is effective so you basically, if I get you correctly, you're talking more motivational, like it motivates you more to see a direct result. 
in yeah, to- those pressure campaigns, for example, like it speaks to you more than going one person by one person. Because as you said, not most people will either say they'll go vegan, they won't, or that they won't get in touch with you. So you don't know that your efforts are actually function like they're actually working. Right. Just being able to measure progress for animals is great. I mean, you know, um, changing one person, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's great um, too, but I I think we're just in such a position like where this is so urgent for the animals. Um, You know, I'm not going to stop talking to people about it, about things either, but most of, most of what I've done now with outreach is trying to convince vegans and people who care about animals to become activists instead of getting non-vegans to become vegan. And I think both are very important. Um, but for me, I, I think, I think we also all need to find our niche and find what we're good at, find what keeps us going. And for me, that is putting an emphasis on activism, trying to help other people become activists and also just being able to measure these results that we're getting for the animals i i totally understand your point the how did that start where did you because obviously you became vegan for a reason what's the idea how did that start why did you decide one day to stop being part of the cruelty and now you did a 180 degree completely and you're you're fighting against it but what what was the what was your journey on that end yeah um well when i was in my early 20s and maybe even the tail end of being a teenager i was uh i was in this band and a lot of the other dudes in my band um they were like pescatarians and vegetarians and um i was a full-blown meat eater i wasn't having any of that and you know, they, um, long story short, they kind of like peer pressured me into trying a veggie burger and I tried it and I was like, oh, you know, I could, I could probably do this. And originally it kind of started out for my health because, um, I've, I had always had problems, uh, with my weight and just health problems in general. So, um, I went vegetarian or, or sorry, I went pescatarian or, or I, I don't even really like the word pescatarian or vegetarian really, but, but, uh, I, I, I was still eating, you know, like fish and, um, dairy and eggs and honey, but I, but I stopped eating all the other kinds of flesh and I started losing weight. I started feeling better and, and, you know, something clicked, even though I started for health, something clicked and I, and I was like, you know, I didn't really want to be a part of that anyway. So I kind of started for the health, but I kind of stayed for the animals. And um, I was still eating fish. And, uh, you know, my my excuse in my own mind for continuing to eat uh, the flesh of fish was, you know, oh, they're caught out of their natural habitat. They're not, Mm -hmm. you know, raised on a factory farm like these land animals are. And, you know, it just makes more sense. And then um, I had been buying uh, tilapia bodies and eating them and something possessed me to just look at the bottom of the box and it said farm raised. Of course. And, you know, when you think about a farm, you think about a a big red barn and 
hay and the dogs you know, running in the background and uh-huh. the cows just chilling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i and i was like how in the world are fish yeah. on a farm like how does that even make sense so i googled it or youtube it or something and i saw some of the most horrific footage yeah. i've ever seen in my life of these fish just swimming around in like what looked like maybe like 50 gallon drums just you know uh feces all in the water um just horrific abuse and so as soon as i saw that there was there was some other guy at my apartment that night and i said hey do you want the rest of this box because i'm never never eating this again and so i guess you could say i became a full-blown vegetarian in that moment and I did that for about seven years or so until um, my best friend went vegan and I learned more about the dairy and egg and honey industries. And, um, you know, I went vegan shortly after him. Um, And yeah, I guess, uh, I guess the rest is history. So what, so what made you go uh, activist? What made you, because, I would imagine if you did it, and by the way, I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people and starting for your health is about 70 to 80% of the case. Everybody, it seems like one person out of four people out of five starts because of their, they have a health issue. They looked at stuff and they, it looks like a planned diet. This may be a solution. Um, But what made you go full-blown activist? Yeah, so the going vegan part was was for the animals. The vegetarian part was for the animals. It was that it was that uh, pescatarian, for lack yeah. of a better term, uh, that was more for the health, and it very quickly evolved. And and by the way, as a side note, you know, from the time that I was a 19 year old meat eater until the time that I was a you know 27, 28 year old vegan, I lost something like 60 or 65 pounds. Um, my, I used to have, I used to have such bad allergies. I still have them a little bit, but I had it to the point, this is brutal, but I had it to the point to where like the insides of my eyelids would peel off in the summer heat because I had such bad allergies. It was horrible. Um, I remember trying to watch my sister graduate from high school and, and it hurt to even open my eyes. Um, to try to see her walk across the stage and and give her speech at graduation, you know, that's not what I wanted to be going through. Um, But I'm so glad that, you know, the, the compassion for animals also turned into a much healthier and more comfortable life um, as a, as a bonus. Um, But anyway, yeah, pretty much from the moment I went vegan, I knew that I wanted to be an activist. I was angry about what I was learning about. I watched Forks Over Knives right around that time and some other some other documentaries um, that were instrumental in kind of, you know, learning about a lot of this stuff. And um, yeah, I mean, pretty much, pretty much as soon as I went vegan, I wanted to be an activist. I, I, I would make a post here and there when I was a vegetarian and I would kind of talk to people here and there, but when I went vegan and it kind of, that's when it clicked that there's no right way to use animals because all use is exploitation and all exploitation 
is abuse. I thought that it was, was ethical to consume dairy because, you know, I didn't think they killed the cows. I thought it was ethical to consume eggs because I didn't think they killed the chickens, but it really doesn't matter if they kill the cows and the chickens or not, because using their bodies and their reproductive systems against their will is abuse and it's not okay. It's not consensual. Um, it's, you know, commodifying other sentient beings. And when I went vegan, that's kind of really the full blown realization that I had. And with that realization, what else can you do, but speak up and become an activist and uh, do what you can to try to end this abuse and this violence. I mean, you know, when you have the, uh, for lack of a better term, when you have the burden of knowing, you have the burden of action. Ignorance is bliss in a lot of situations. Huh? Not for the animals, but for, nope. for a lot of humans, yeah, it is. For your conscious, yes. Ignorance is bliss when it comes to your conscious. It's, it's very interesting because a lot of people will have the exact same path as you but will not feel the need to be an activist or at least what we perceive to be an activist. Um, what do you think is in your way you like pressure campaigns? And I like the, I like that you mentioned that it really depends on your, on what you're good at, what your skills are. Because I, I personally have never participated in any, campaign press or pressure campaigns but i'm a big fan of leading by example and doing podcasts because all the podcasts i do now are strictly with vegans and my goal is to expose people like you to the biggest platform i can i'll be able to build right to get the word out there um is that something you you're looking into as well to be a voice on camera because you were saying that before you are uh you do live TV directing. So you do have some skills that the average person probably doesn't have. Is that something that you're interested in doing too? Yeah, I've definitely used like some of my filmmaking skills um, for, um, for animal rights. Uh, I definitely have done that. And that, and that's part of what I preach about using your special skills um, for yeah. the animals, because, you know, I, I actually made a post the other day that pretty much said, you know, like veganism is not enough. We have to take action. We all have to be activists um, was the gist of it. And a couple of people even got upset at first because they were like, Oh, this is like an ableist post because, you know, not everybody can get out into the streets like you can with a megaphone. Um, you know, some people have extreme anxiety. Some people have physical limitations and, Never once in the post did I say anything about physical activism or, or even a particular kind of activism. Um, but I think that certain kinds of activism are romanticized to the point where even people who are activists don't even realize or acknowledge that they are activists. And I've even had some people that, you know, volunteer heavily at sanctuaries 
say, oh, you know, I'm just too busy with the sanctuary to do activism. I'm like, <laughs> volunteering at a sanctuary is some of the most important activism that exists. Yeah. And we really need to, um, as a movement, broaden our scope on what activism really is. It's not necessarily bomb- bombarding into a store with a megaphone. That's great if there's a, if there's a um, intention for that, that, that's got a strategy. But, um, but that's not the only kind of activism that there is. And, uh, you know, I've, I've said in the past, whether you're a plumber, an electrician, a mechanic, a photographer, a videographer, a writer, uh, a, 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 a musician, um, whatever it is, an athlete, you can use whatever skills or platform or, or, or niche that you have and use, there is a way to use it for animals. And that's, that's part of what this program I'm with, Animal Activism Mentorship, is all about. Because some people don't even think they're capable of doing activism, either because they don't have the self-confidence or they don't even realize that the, the ways that you can do activism, the avenues, are practically limitless. Um, so, so I think that's something that we need to... Um, change in our movement and, and we need to acknowledge all different kinds of activism uh, and help people do the kind of activism that they want to do and, um, you know, support each other in that. Um, and something else that I said on that post was, you know, yeah, I get on the megaphone from time to time, but I live in a small, um, a small place. Uh, so, you know, I'm not really out in the street a whole lot. The majority of my work is, desk work and organization and behind the scenes stuff, but nobody's in my office, you know, taking sweet pictures of me, you know, on my computer and you know, writing in my notebook and putting things in my, in my calendar. Nobody's doing that. And, uh, but, but we have to lift each other up, um, you know, for people who are working behind the scenes and doing less noticed activism as well, because, it's all important and we all play our role and it's going to, it's going to take all of us to achieve liberation. It's interesting because, uh, you know, you know, Seb Alex. So I yeah, had I the do. chance to, uh, have a podcast with him and we, we still talk every now and then he's a great, great dude. And on the podcast, he looks at me, he's like, uh, you know, you're an activist, Nico, right? I'm like, what the fuck you're talking about? I'm not an activist. I just do, I just do podcasts and I talk about veganism all the time. He's like, what the fuck you think an activist is? So even I, this year, never, never crossed my mind until he tells me that on the podcast. I'm like, motherfucker, I think you have a point there. You have a very valid, it never crossed my mind. Not once. Yeah, it's that way for a lot of people. And, and what you're doing is absolutely activism, absolutely activism. But yeah, I mean. Like I said, I mean, I don't know. People just have this certain uh, idea in their heads. But, and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because of social media. You know, like I said, like there's there's certain things like I'm not I'm not going to always like post a, a selfie of like, like I said, me writing something in my calendar. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> not because it's not important to, yeah, to yeah. do this kind of work that I do behind the scenes, too. But but um yeah, I mean, we just need to embrace all different kinds of activism 
And, and yeah, you most definitely need to accept the fact that you're, that you're an activist for sure. <laughs> it, it, it was one of my revelations of 2021. So no, it's all good. Listen, I, I embrace the role. I enjoy what I'm doing. And if it can help, I'm very happy because I, I did not become vegan. I did not stop eating meat for me. I did it for the animals from the beginning. I, I've always been healthy. I've always been taking very good, like very good care of myself. So it was never for me. So if I can help even more, I'm very, very happy to do it. It's just funny to be put on the spot. And I had a, a ha-ha moment, right? He says that. I'm like, fuck, you're right. And I have it on camera. So I get to watch it again. The exact moment I realized <laughs> that I was an activist. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. It's interesting. It's very interesting. It's interesting. But um, yeah, listen, it's, uh, I agree. Even me, when... Um, if you would have told me six months ago, what's an activist? I'm thinking about a guy walking around a pot of, uh, of red paint and is throwing it at fur coat. Like as bad as this sounds, this is what I figured in my head. It's somebody with a megaphone and telling people, don't wear that. You should need this. This, this to me, unfortunately, as bad as it sounds, that was an activist for me. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, there's, there's, that's an activist too, you know, people who are on megaphones and doing that kind of thing. But, but yeah, I mean, there's all different kinds for sure. It's definitely not the only type, although that's most people, even non-vegan people, when you hear activists, that's what they think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Depending on who you are, uh, you, you have certain kinds of associations with animal rights activists. For example, if you're a fur farmer and you think of an animal rights activist, the word <laughs> terrorist probably comes to mind. But yeah. we know uh, we know that, you know, activists are just trying to prevent terror to animals. Have you ever because th that's a that's a great point. Have you ever spoken to those people like to, uh, let's say, uh, a fur farmer? Have you ever had the I don't want to say the chance because that's not a great word, but. Did you have, did you ever have the possibility of speaking with one? I have never spoken to a fur farmer directly myself that I can recall. I have by chance spoken to um, like ex dairy farmers and okay. some, some people like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I had mixed responses, you know, some people are just going to defend what they do and, you know, forever. And some people are more open-minded, you know, I talked to this guy who was a dairy farmer one time and, you know, he talked about how much when he was a kid, he loved playing with the animals. And, you know, I said, uh, well, how did you feel when they came and picked up the, the male calves, um, separated them from their mothers and, sh and shipped them off for slaughter. And he, he said, well, those were the absolute worst days. Um, so, you know, I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, people can change. That's, like I said, that's not really necessarily the, um, goal with pressure campaigns a lot of the times, sometimes it is, but, um, but it's, but it's always nice when somebody does change. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you ever heard, have you ever read the food revolution? I have not, but it's on my list. He uh, he has some great stories in there. 
And one of them is when he was talking to a pig farmer that said something very similar to what you're saying about this guy playing. He remember being raised with animals, especially pigs. You remember that his best friend as a kid was a pig. And one day his dad had him kill the pig to kind of dissociate the animals and human connection. And when he had the conversation with uh, John Robbins, he, John Robbins brought that point to him as in, that's what you do now, that you love that pig before. And the guy started crying. Turns out that a few months after he got rid of everything, was not doing pig farming anymore, moved into a small town, had a sanctuary for animals where kids could go on field trips and pet animals and see how they actually were in real life, not as food. So sometimes that's the only, only thing you need is a small conversation and it changes somebody's mind. And a farmer has killed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pigs in his life, right? Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. It's very, it's all a matter of perspective, but I don't understand how it's always baffled me how you can say on one side that I love animals. I have a dog, I have cats, whatever. And you have pets, but then turn around and not consider those as sentient beings as animals. It blows my mind how that lack of correlation still exists in people's mind. Me too. But um, what's even more mind blowing is that was me for the majority of my life true. so far. That's true. Um, That's that true. was me. I mean, I did start to break that at, I mean, a somewhat young age, like 20 years old, but I mean, why didn't I think of that even when I was a kid? You know what I mean? Like, why, why didn't I, why didn't I think about that? Um, it's something I don't think too much about because it can get depressing and, you know, obviously we can't change the past. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I think, I think so few people in this world are just empowered to think for themselves in general and just, you know, have original thoughts about things and, You know, it's not that people are incapable. It's just, I don't know. I mean, we, we live in this kind of Instagram influencer world. We, we live in a world where if you, you know, oftentimes, especially, you know, when we're young um, throughout school and everything like that, you know, if you're ostracized as different, then that can be bad for you um, when you're, when you're in school, at least, at least for me, you know, Growing up, it was like that. So I don't know. I don't know what we can do to to change that. But, um, you know, I think that children are getting smarter um, and more open-minded than, you know, maybe my generation was. Uh, you know, we the Internet is, you know, you know how it is. Like there's some really good things and really bad things about the internet and social media and the effect that that has on children and everything. But I think one positive is that, you know, children are more informed uh, about things and they get a, they get a 
perspective beyond just what their parents and their teachers say, um, you know, which is, which is a good thing in, in a lot of instances. And when it comes to um, veganism and animal rights and environmentalism and, you know, other struggles, I think, I think that can be a good thing. It's uh, they def I don't know that they're smarter, but they definitely have access at more information because 12 years ago when I stopped eating meat, I, I, I was a veg vegetarian for like eight years. And in my head, I had no idea that the dairy industry and the egg industry was as bad as the farming industry. I had no idea. When it hit me, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? It wasn't, a, it wasn't even a question. It just stopped right then. But it was never... I, I, I became vegetarian because of a Buddhist book and because of the documentary Earthlings. And they don't talk about that in there. Like they don't talk about the really the dairy industry and the egg industry because we have to agree that it was still the first documentary of that kind to come out. Like a lot of them came out afterwards, but they don't have a, people now don't have a lot of excuses to not know what's going on. Yeah. I mean, we definitely live in the age of information. At times, we also live in the age of like over information and misinformation, too. Um, but you know, I mean, with animals, it's just common sense. Um, we don't have to kill them to survive. Uh, most of us don't, anyway. Um, so it, it's it's pretty common sense. Most of your listeners probably know all the points, so I won't go through them all. But you know, we can get every nutrient that we need from plant-based sources. There's ways to eat cheap. As a vegan, there's just so there's so there's so few excuses to not be vegan. So there are excuses. There's a lot of them. There are excuses. Absolutely, cognitive dissonance is very strong with a lot of people. What's your? Because um, we we've been going for what 40, 40 minutes or so. Um, I got because the attention span of most listeners, just so you know, is about that. That's all, that's about right. Uh, I always ask the same question to everybody I speak to. Um, if you had the chance to speak to your 14-year-old self, what would you tell him? Oh, man. You know, 14 was like some of my most, that was like a really formative year for me. That's like kind of, you know, going into high school and everything like that. Um Yeah, I mean, I think I had a similar conscience at 14 that I do now, but maybe just without all of the information and resources. So I think I would just give my 14-year-old self that information and those, and those resources. And um, yeah, I mean, you know, when I was 14, I had dreams about you know, being a famous actor or being a rock star and, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, um, you know, it felt like I was just chasing something all the time that became more and more just kind of meaningless. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I enjoyed the music that I was making and I enjoyed like um, being in plays and things like that. And uh, I, I liked that stuff. 
but it wasn't really until I became an animal rights activist that I feel like I truly found my passion in life. And, and even though activists can, um, you know, I mean, when you go vegan, it, it opens up your, your whole world to just being hyper aware of all the suffering that's going on. Um, Claire Mann wrote a book about this called Vistopia that I highly recommend. Um, but, uh, you know, Vistopia is just a, a dystopia through a vegan lens. Okay. And, you know, in some ways I'm more sad than I've ever been because I'm so hyper aware, you know, I'm more in, in a way I'm more sad than when I was when I was 14 because I'm so hyper aware of all this suffering. Um, but I think that I'm happier also than I've ever been because I've found my life's purpose. Um, I feel good about the kind of work that I'm doing. It'll never feel like enough, but I know that I'm at, at least doing something. And so maybe I would encourage my 14 year old self to um, get a little more involved in less uh, selfish ventures. Um, not that I think that I was an, an incredibly selfish person at 14, but just, you know, like some of, I think I had some of the typical goals that were just more selfish and, and, and there's nothing wrong with looking out for yourself or wanting to be happy, but I don't know. I feel like uh, the less I focus on that kind of thing. Um, yeah. The more happy I've become. So I would maybe say something like that. It's a good answer. Very good answer. Um, is there something you, cause I know you work with mentorship. You probably, have I don't know if organization is the the right word for uh, the people you work with for the pressure campaigns, but is there stuff that you want to plug in? Yeah, so um, with the mentorship, if you go to animalactivismmentorship.com, you can fill out a form there that'll help you, um, you know, get paired with a mentor who would be right for you. And if you're interested in pressure campaigning, you know, we'll match you up with someone who has experience with that and can plug you into the right uh, kind of campaign that you want to get involved with or start your own pressure campaign if that's something that you're interested in. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's an anti-fur campaign against Montclair right now. Um, there's a campaign against Home Depot using uh, glue mousetraps Right now, there's a campaign uh, against Petco for being associated with Marshall Bioresources right now. And uh, there's, um, there's a campaign against Millennium Hotels for them to sever their ties with the cruel Iditarod race. So those are just a couple of uh, campaigns off the top of my head that would be really good to get involved with. It would all be good wins for the animals. Um, But yeah, if you want to learn more about that, then you can get a mentor and they can help plug you in with that sort of thing. That's great. That's absolutely beautiful. I hope, I wish you all the best, man. I hope you influence as you help as many people as you're capable of, even if your job is not the most glamorous. I, yeah, man, I wish you all the best in the world, man. I really hope that, um, you get to have as much impact as you want to. That means a lot. I appreciate you uh, 
having me on. It means a lot. And uh, yeah, everything back at you, man. I hope uh, I hope your your podcast grows even bigger. And and uh, yeah, you'll you'll be able to get the word out about uh, veganism and activism to as many people as you can. Thank you very much for your kind words, man. I I thank you for being uh, for being part of it, and I will wish you the best of days, man. Back at you, bro. Appreciate it. <laughs>